Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like the Brewers, consistently fail to meet expectations. <laughs> my name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hey, does Pakota love us like it loves the Brewers? <laughs> uh, it, it should now. Yeah. Um, and uh, this week... We are going to be talking about the Cardinals clinching the Central Division, Albert Pools hitting 700 home runs, and a bunch of other stuff that's just not nearly as important as those two things. If you have an idea for the opening joke, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Ben, Hambone. Yo. It's been. It's been. It, it's been a, a wild season. Yeah. An emotional season. Uh-huh. A, uh huh. Maybe one of my favorite seasons that we've had as Cardinal fans um, in a very long time, if Since not. Since Albert ever. left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and here we are. Yeah, uh, it is September 28th, middle of the day, Wednesday. And though there's an entire week left of games, it will not matter in any real way for the St. Louis Cardinals because they have clinched the central at 90 games with a win over the Brewers last night. Uh, how you feeling? I feel great, Nate. Yeah, Nate, I feel great. We Even did late. It. Um, I, I feel like I, I did it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like I really did it. Um, yeah. Did I? I think I'm I'm still in a little bit of shock right now. Um, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was easy, because as you were mentioning, this season has been up and down. There have been good parts and bad parts. There was a part before getting Quintana and uh, Montgomery where I was wanting to take a break from watching Cardinals baseball because of, you know, everything was yeah. just so haggard and, it was just, they were, they were playing bad ball for probably a month, month and a half. Um, but then it ended up being kind of easy. And I guess, you know, when you get super duper hot after the all-star break, that that's kind of how things happen when you have two MVP candidates, um, when you have resurgent elders, when you have young guys kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the team makeup a lot this season, and I don't know you know, like if you go back to our early episodes where we're talking about, you know, bold predictions and, and how we think things are going to go and even our most cardinal red glasses looking through, I don't think you could have asked for the season that, you know, Paul and, uh, or Goldie and Nato had the, the season that, uh, Albert had the late, late resurgence that Yadier Molina had that he actually became a valuable player somehow in the last <laughs> month and a half of the season, uh, Newt bar being a real factor. Um, or how about uh, we've talked a lot of, about him a lot this season, uh, both ups and downs. But Tommy Edmond, uh, right there as far as war, yeah. and we are big believers in in the usefulness and the legitimacy of of war of F war, and uh, he's over six, which is an MVP level season. Um, yeah. He's not that far behind Goldie and Arenado, uh, and, and in fact, uh, the Cardinals are the first team in baseball since 2011 for there to be three, six, 
F4 players or more on a team. Yeah. Which is pretty incredible. Hasn't happened in a decade. And it's Goldie Arenado and Tommy Edmond. Uh, and then, yeah, all the other stories you talked about. I mean, we're not the first to report on this. This has been kind of the story of the season, especially this last two months as these milestones actually started being hit. But this has been a really fun and interesting blend of history and youthfulness and some some heartbreak and some, you know, things not going the way we wanted them to. I mean, just look at the outfield right now for, you know, <laughs> to to really start that conversation. But um, yeah, at, at the end of the day, at El Central, you know, not the best team in the NL, um, but uh, top four, top five and headed to the playoffs and, you know, it's hard to really ask for much more or really expect much more from how this front office builds their teams and how this team goes about it. It's so funny, you know, like the beginning of the season, you kind of have expectations for how the team is going to be built. Or, or I guess what I mean to say is the team is kind of set up in spring training. You kind of see jobs being won or lost and and lineups kind of figuring themselves out. And you you kind of even though it doesn't really work this out this way very often, you're kind of like, all right, here's our squad. Let's go do this for six months. And then, yeah, exactly what you're talking about. You look, we thought Tommy Edmond was in danger of losing a job. Like you said, he's put, you know, he's not going to win the MVP because some of the other Cardinals players, but he's a part of the conversation. He's in the top 15, I think of position players uh, on either league this year. Uh, Brendan Donovan has become a massive factor. Uh, Ryan Helsley, could be the second best reliever in baseball. Maybe yeah. even, I mean, there are some nights where he's the best. There's some nights where he's the best player in baseball. It is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I think like the fact that Dylan Carlson was not a non-factor, but not as much as I think you and I both expected him. Right. Um, and then Harrison Bader is just not a Cardinal anymore. It's just wild how this six months can like, it's almost like, you know, a snowball rolling down the hill. And then you look, at the end of it. And the snowball is disfigured, misshapen, massive. It's yeah. completely different than what we started with, but still we're here. Yeah. Carlson not having the season, any of us expected, but also essentially promoted and identified as starting center fielder for the foreseeable future. You know, like did not see that coming. Um, I would have expected the story of Carlson this year to be his bat. Of course, that said, seeing some signs of life recently, so um, hopefully they can carry he can carry that into the into the postseason. But yeah, I mean, we could just talk all day. We could do an entire episode about just surprises and unexpected outcomes, good and bad from the regular season. And I think we'll do some sort of retrospect on the season once we get into the. Uh, off season, but you know, I think for now it's just a time to celebrate, uh, enjoy. I did want to thank all of our listeners who've been with us either from the beginning or you hopped on board sometime oh. through through the you know through the season. Like this has been fun for us because of you all too. It, it, so I second that, but it's not that you just stirred something in my mind that was really funny. So Mary and I were out at uh, our favorite spot, Esther's, last night, and I said, "Wow." Hey, waiter person, can you please put on the game? Um, and they did, which was very kind. And the Cardinals nice. won. They locked it up. And I think so. Nate and I share the Twitter account that is the Talking About Birds account. 
And within, I think it was a minute of each other, I tweeted, uh, yay, let's get fucked up or something like that. And then you tweeted a very heartfelt thank you to the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it's just like, what a good little juxtaposition. It made me yeah. laugh quite a bit. And I will say, I, I don't want to gripe on Twitter likes publicly, but I, I feel like I need to. Uh, your tweet got a lot more approval than my tweet. <laughs> and uh, I take that extremely personally. Um, but, I, you know, I'll find a way. I don't know. Be better. Be best, Ben. I, I thought um, it was a good sentiment. I like I ordered another drink and I thought, who who else is doing this? The boys are drinking and, the, you know, they're they're chugging their Budweiser's and they're. Did you see all the high noons that were going around? I thought there's a like, lot of high noons. The lock. What are you guys doing? Drink. You got to drink the King of Beers or some well, champagne. They're in Milwaukee, though. Yeah. You know, so I have to imagine that's part of it. You would think they would truck in some some I Budweiser. The Cardinals just travel around with pallets of Budweiser in the plane at yeah. all times. Um, and another another beer focused moment that I thought was hilarious. There was a, a clip going around from. Uh, I think it was Newt was coming after Wainwright with a couple of Kerr's banquets, uh, those <laughs> full body Kerr's uh, that I enjoy so much. And he goes, don't, don't, don't pour the Coors Originals on me. Don't pour the Coors Originals on me. I like those. I like those. And then Newt, you know, went on to douse him, of course, with 60 ounces of beer or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, hey, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I was, uh, imbibing myself so yeah. i had a great time uh you know watching those guys have a great time we talked about it last week i definitely made sure to to watch it i think it's yeah. it's kind of cathartic you know you spend the whole season watching these ding-dongs and to finally get to see them sort of you know unleash a little bit and just yeah. be people and have fun and actually smile and laugh was really nice and uh did you did you watch the like marmal's speech and all of that as well yeah so i i went back once we got home from the uh, from the bar we i went back and i i basically just put the put the broadcast back on and watch watch all that post game stuff although I, yeah. I will admit i did fast forward through uh rick and al and um alexa dot's <laughs> stuff because that's that was just like that's not what i want to watch yeah no. and, i what is rick and is he coming in on a like his laptop from 2005, like his, it's it's too zoomed in. He's blurry and scratchy. Like, where are you right now? <laughs> so, if memory serves, I think he lives around Jupiter. But I, I like the point that needs to be made is we're two dumbasses. We don't have near as much money as Rick, and our our video looks ten times better than his. How I is that I, possible? I don't. Yeah, I can't believe Bali Sports isn't like. Hey, here, here's your, yes. whatever it is. It's so funny to me. It looks so bad. I kind of, I, I actually appreciate it. I like to think that he is like silently protesting something like, I don't know. I think it's hilarious that I, he, that he can get away with it. See, I, I find it like, I find it very frustrating and hard to watch. <laughs> I, I like have trouble watching like, I'm a we're we're big Top Chef fans over here. And, you know, yeah. Top Chef started like 20 years ago in like standard def. And I even have problems watching stuff from like the late 90s, early 2000s because so. Wow. <laughs> must be uh, must be pretty lonely there in your tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have multiple streaming services and a nice yeah. television. What can I wow. say? Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's hilarious. And yeah, I mean, I don't really I was like. 
it irks doing me other things while not that i really have any problem with those three you know we make fun of al Roboski forever but they're they're fine they're all doing their job but what i really want to see is the um you know the the party and the interviews and the cat down there yeah. getting soaked you know that was that was great i uh i love marmal's speech i thought it was you know is straightforward it's kind of what yeah. you expect from him but he was like you know there's there's two things that i've got left and he said first arenado you know we finally got you your your division championship you know how do you feel and i guess it had become almost like a meme in the dugout we learned a little bit more about it as the night went on that it like people had been kind of giving him shit for never winning a division and yeah yeah and this was the time to do it but at first i was like this is marmal being like hey buddy like you're not opting out right let's all look at arenado <laughs> first and say like we did it and there's nowhere else that you'd yeah. rather be right you're not gonna opt out right all right and then let's have Pujols talk and you know they all basically say the same thing but it's all nice and 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 fun to see yeah, I uh, I don't want to talk about Arenado opting out right now because we're in a, such a good spot with, with yeah. Albert and the team and everything like that. But I, I want to couch that conversation for later. I know we've talked about it a little bit already this season, but I, I don't think people want to hear that right now. I definitely yeah. don't want to hear it right now. But yeah, uh, yeah I hope he sticks around. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... It was uh... I feel like I've said a lot of fun like 90 times already on this episode, but it, well, I'm, it's, fu it's funny because we've watched these things and, and they're all the same, right? And we've been lucky enough to watch like 20 of them in the 2020s. It's, it, you know, we've yeah. been very spoiled. I think actually we've watched like 15 of them in the 2020s and it, or uh, right. sorry, fr from 2000 until now. Um, and I, I'm the same with you and I assume most of the people who are listening feel this way, but I just love it. You know, like you said, seeing these the very serious hardcore competitors let loose and you kind of get to see their personality. I was just, I, I just sit there and smile. It like truly joys me. And then you see, like, I, I just feel like you get to see the interpersonal relationships a little bit more. There was a, I think, um, Katie Wu was interviewing Arenado. And it was maybe a minute and a half long interview, two minute long interview. And I think Newt poured beer on Arenado like six times. And yeah. at, the, at the last time he was like, again, are you kidding me? And then yeah. turned around to like shoo him away. And, you know, you just kind of get, you know, they always talk about being family and uh, what the clubhouse environment is like and being able to actually see inside of that and see that they are you know, brothers and, and friends and they, they get well, on I, each other's nerves and that kind of first was like enough already he yeah. like kind of like snapped a little bit i was yeah. like oh, all right like there it is like that yeah. you know he is an intense person and then you know you could tell he by yeah number six he'd kind of gone full circle and was back to finding it funny uh, but i was well, like he seemed like legitimately annoyed by it for a second which i thought was hilarious yeah yeah and i kind of take like i kind of take that to be like you know the people who are you are closest with you are comfortable with like telling them right to, like seriously stop it or Not i'm gonna hit you know <laughs> yeah that that is i uh, it is i think it's two things it's a sign of how intense nolan is you right <laughs> and it's a sign of how close you know they they feel towards each other that they can I don't know. Be like that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, you know, we've got another week of games and we're going to we're going to talk about some of the the current status of the Cardinals and how they've been playing here in a minute. But, um, you know, we really wanted to start out just by talking about 
how yeah. nice this is and what a what a ride it's been and how fun it's been and you know again to have and, the show and do this with everybody it's been a ton of fun yeah and i i guess we're watching phillies and brewers games now yeah right so uh still odds are phillies but the you know it's seven eight games anything could happen yeah uh, wouldn't be a crazy surprise if the brewers flip it and the Cardinals are playing the Brewers. Um, honestly, I think I'd prefer that at this point uh, to play the Brewers over the Phillies. The Phillies have been looking generally pretty good. I think they have that higher end talent, but I, you know, you can't really pick your poison. So, yeah, well, you uh, got to think in a, in a three game series. I, I think realistically, the the or er, 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 thirty thousand foot view. Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and Corbin Burns and Woodruff or or whoever uh, would be number two are pretty one to one. I guess Burns over Nola and uh, and Wheeler over whoever the Brewers. But I mean, it's pretty much one to one. So when yeah. you break it down, it's like, oh yeah, the 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 Phillies while they have lots and lots of problems, they still have. JT Real Muto. They still have Reese Hoskins who can hit the ball over the wall. Bryce Harper is back. Kyle Schwarber is leading the National League in home runs. I think that they are the team that has a bit of a higher talent floor for sure on the position player side. And I would, I think I generally agree with your sentiment. Um, there's also a little bit of unknown. Like we've, how many, you know, we've watched 20 games almost with the Brewers this year and we've only seen the Phillies a little bit. So I, th- I think there's part right. of that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I do not underestimate the top end of the Phillies position player group is, is, I guess what I'm trying to right. say. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's Bryce Harper. He's, you know, he's, he's not been great since coming back from injury, but anything can happen in a three game series. And, and the Cardinals have seen, have been on the wrong side of Schwarber in the playoffs as well. So, yes. Yes. They uh, have. Yeah. And, and like you said, real Muto Hoskins uh, Sosa, he's playing pretty well for them. He, you know? he has. Yeah. So, so we'll I see. Was, I know I was, I was kind of like, you know, immediately my brain went to, all right, how are the Phillies doing? So I went and was kind of digging through their numbers la- uh, last night after like watching some of the stuff. And I was shocked at how good of a year, real mute real muto was having and i feel like he's just like maybe we just expect it of it of him now he just is going to be the best catcher in baseball and and put up huge numbers and steals he's got 19 stolen bases no caught stealing um he's like getting to be underrated almost i feel like we we just don't give him enough credit um but he scares me in a three-game series yeah there's they have a they have enough guys that can beat you and the Brewers right now, it's like all right, Adamas looks like a star. Um, after that, it starts to just really yeah, like, quickly fall apart. What do you do? Like avoid Rowdy, and we seems like the Cardinals can pitch to Christian Yelich now, um, who's been yeah. essentially a and run on him. player. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that throw last night! I like. Yeah. I knew that Christian Yelich wasn't really known for his defense. I feel like he's definitely gone down from his days playing center field with Miami. But that throw last night was bad. Oh, my God. Noodle arm. I like. Yeah, I don't really think I could throw better than that. But that was bad. You could be a little bit. I think I can throw better than that. 
you could have made you could make a throw better than that. Yes. Now, whether you would consistently make throws better than a professional baseball player, probably not. But I think you're underestimating my talent. <laughs> Yikes! You could also throw a football over that mountain. I'm no, sure it- of it. Yeah. Uh, you played high school. I get it. You know, you were just a few steps away from the majors. Oh, yeah. I was on the door. <laughs> I thought I would spare uh, my friends and family from that lifestyle. Yeah, though. that's fair. You're yeah. what a what a kind heart. Thank you. you have. Thank you. Um, well, we have another uh, big milestone to celebrate, though, um, yeah. which happened first. But I thought it made most sense to start with the the clinch. But um you know, I would argue was way less likely of a thing to happen this year than the Cardinals winning the central. Yeah. Far uh, and away was uh, Albert Pujols hit both 699 and 700 on Apple TV's Friday night baseball. What a waste. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's free. I think most people were able to watch it if they wanted to, um, but it, the ultimately I was more upset or sad for Dan McLaughlin, you know, but, yeah. um, but it is what it is, but all that aside, I mean, what an, uh, incredible accomplishment. I mean, we, we've been, uh, we've been filling our tanks on old man smiles all season, <laughs> but, uh, pools round in the bases on that 700. That might be the yeah. happiest we've ever seen him. So a question for you, um, and I, I think this is sim- somewhat controversial, maybe maybe not. Do you? Oh, so I, I definitely have a strong opinion about the Phil Bickford home run, but did Andrew Heaney groove that pitch for Albert? Do you do you believe Andrew Heaney grooved that pitch for Albert? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I mean, you know. It certainly was where you would put one if you're grooving one. The only reason I even throw that out there is because if you go back and watch that at bat, there were two and he crushed one of them, but there was another hanging ball that was breaking ball that was right in the center of the plate that Albert did not swing at. Um, And I I don't think it wasn't like super duper obvious. And Andrew Heaney is not like a max sure, you know, he's not like a, a super duper ace or anything like that. He's not somebody who can put the ball where he wants every single time, but I was just want He just, he really sat there on a plate for him and Albert destroyed it. Yeah. The relationship with the Dodgers last year, you know, I, I would not, be, did you, Dave Roberts got out of his chair and cheered for it for yeah. about five seconds. And then I and think then he, he kind of realized like, <laughs> what the look was. Yeah. He's like, Oh wait, yeah. I saw that too. He's like, uh, Oh, shucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. All the very, light clapping from all the Dodgers, you know, who, who definitely wanted to be probably out on the field with him too, you know, but, but you, you have to feign some degree of competitiveness, even though it's like the Dodgers don't have anything to play for at this point. Right. Yeah. And the, you know, the, we, we've all heard the stories about the relationship that even in a short amount of time, you know, him and Kershaw and Mookie are, are very close after that, you know, half season they spent together. Um, yeah. Now, now that being said, the Phil Bickford home run, it wasn't the best breaking ball he's ever thrown, but it was like an inch off the plate inside. I mean, it wasn't an easy to hit pitch. And Albert, I mean, yeah. he just, you know what he did, Nate? Is he opened those hips, <laughs> let those hands fly through the zone. And I loved it. Oh, it was so it much was, fun. And off a righty. I, off I was, a righty. I was sitting there thinking like, no way he's getting 700 tonight. Like they're going to, yeah. they're not, oh, yeah. he's not going to get any more at bats against lefties, 
Bickford is not bad. Like, you know, as I was like, you know, maybe the Kershaw thing tomorrow, we might not even see 700 this weekend. The, oh yeah. The, the Dodgers are pretty good. And all of that was going through my mind. And then he hit 700. All, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, he crushed it. That was, Oh yeah. It was a good pitch or, or at least not a bad pitch, you know, uh, pretty remarkable. He was, he was just jacked up and ready to get, get it done, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, jacked up and get, get it done. Then he, uh, I think he gets taken out of the game shortly after that. And then, uh, Burleson comes in and hits a home run in his yeah. spot. Yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty great. Uh, and fun for him, his first career home run. So that was, yeah. uh, that was a good one. Is that uh, he's a big Hanser he's a, Alberto. Was it, it was I off a position so. player, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a big boy. But, you know, it, Burleson kind of looks like a softball player and he kind of hit yeah. his first major league <laughs> home run was a kind of a softball home run. Yeah, he's got a big big beer league vibes going from yeah. uh from Burleson. Uh but yeah, I mean, truly incredible. Uh what he hit 17 since uh since July 10th or something like that. It's it went from uh, I think it's Fangraphs was doing the sort of statistical uh, probability of Pujols hitting 700 this year, and it was down into the single digits or low double digits, and it just went up from there and up from there. Yeah. And you know, it, all it took was Pujols being one of the best hitters in baseball for an entire two month period, which I uh, did not see that coming. <laughs> uh, and and now I guess can we go back to kind of what I think was the key to his success, which is giving him ample rest. And, you know, he was definitely getting a lot of at bats there in order to, to yeah. get there, which I think was great. I loved him batting in the two hole. Like it was clearly Marmol's just like, get him out there as much as we can to get those at bats. I, I, I love that for I, him. And I think that's a great thing to bring up too. I think like Marmol's handling of all of these situations, the Albert situation, the closing up the division situation, the Yachty and Wayno. All, I mean, all of these things kind of going on. I think that Ali Marmol deserves a lot of credit for yeah. handling it in a way that makes sense. Generally, like Pujols got his AB. Like this doesn't happen without Ali Marmol buying in and, and obviously Pujols performing. Right. Um, but it's also a lot easier to put him in the two hole when he's also been one of your best hitters, you know, so it works out. But there was definitely a sort of stray from the normal usage yeah. of Pujols in the last couple of weeks, which was a clear. I mean, he was directly saying it. He said, uh, we want to get him in there and get as many at bats for him as possible against sure. this lefty or or whatever. And, uh, you know, I think it's great. I It's it was classic Marmol. He was just very direct in saying what he was doing and why he was doing it. And uh, yeah, and we, we heard a lot about it. We, I mean, we've been hearing all about it all season, but we heard right. a lot about it in the, uh, in the like clinching speeches and whatnot, that despite all the individual history that happened this season, it still was a team, a team win. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know that he'll win manager of the year, but I have to imagine that he's, one of the front runners for it. I mean, it usually goes to a manager who wins their division that no one expected them to, you know, like that's, that's a big, 
it, it, usually it's something like that, right? There's some narrative yeah. about cut. So I'm trying, I'm kind of looking and I feel like if we're just to go down that rabbit hole for a second, like I feel like the Buck Walter narrative, uh, writers will like, because he came in and he straightened out the Mets, you know, let alone they right. spent like $400 million in the off season, but Buck Walter came in there and showed the Mets how to win. Um, I, I think he's likely going to win it over Marmol. Yeah. Um, I, I think, he, I think, but look at Brian, I think Brian Snicker would be an option for that as well. They were, they had a yeah. really bad first, like two months and now they have 97 wins. Um, yeah. and then probably Bob Melvin is in that conversation as well. Cause he came in and turned the Padres around and showed them how to win. And he can, he can manage Manny and he can manage Hassan Kim. He can, he can really, you know, reach across the aisle or, Okay, that's politics, but all these the manager yeah. of the year thing is kind of stupid as I'm going through this little well, exercise. Of, course, of yeah. course, it's it's always you know they had a good team and whoever yeah. basically and that's why the it's usually a narrative thing. Who over what team overcame the most yeah. uh, most issues or or uh, you know expectations is going to be the manager that wins. Yeah, it. and and I think that's. You know where Marmol's, uh, you know, if he wins it, it would yeah. be that the Brewers were expected to win the division, and instead the Cardinals did, and set all these individual milestones, and probably have the MVP, and probably have a a top uh, uh, rookie of the year candidate, and have both, you know, so the three the three oldest players in the NL, and then also, uh, you know the young guys and rookie of the year candidates. So like that's his narrative to win it. But I, I do think it'll probably end up being um, with the Mets just because of all of the Mets stuff and how unlikely it is ever for the Mets to be successful. And they're having, <laughs> you know, a good year. Yeah. So yeah. I bet it's, it'll be that, but Hey, we'll do a full on. Uh, I think next week we're going to really dig into postseason expectations predictions and yeah. i think maybe we'll do some uh into year award predictions as well might as yeah. well so yeah. uh, uh all right so should we start recording the real episode now i guess so yeah so uh, we're we do have some <laughs> have we been new... recording oh i forgot the oh shit it's eh, all right yeah no. uh we do have some actual more on the field style stuff to talk about the season's not done yet um, so let's go ahead and get started. And we're actually going to start on a slightly sour note after all of that fun and success. Um, I'm going to turn it to you, Ben. Oh, are you, wow. Are you worried about Arenado and Goldschmidt? No, I, I, I am not worried. Um, and, and I can talk about that at length, Nathan. Um, and actually I will, um, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but on, I, I did think it was worth talking about, and I think the you know this the sour flavor goes down a little easier with the sweetness of the NL Central wins. I think it's a good time to talk about this. But Nolan uh, has had a two twenty two, two ninety two, three fifty eight with a WRC plus of eighty eight in the month of September. Goldie two twenty four, three twenty two, three eighty two with the WRC plus of one hundred five. Crazy that we are talking about. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt having a, a down month and it's still an above average. Still above average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How good he is. 
And I, I think it's worth bringing up because I think it explains why the team has looked the way the team has looked pretty, or, you know, that the offensive engine is not moving right now. And that can be frustrating, even though we just won. Um, and, and we're feeling really good about that. But I think it's important to point out, like, I think the the reason that I'm not worried about Nolan, even though those numbers are, you know, bad um, after a really, really great season is that even looking at the, however you want to break it down, looking at the war, defensive war, whatever it is, he still is so unbelievably value on the de- defensive side that Nolan could hit like this for a whole year and he would still put up positive, positive um, production. He is just that good of a defender and he has other aspects to his game that, that make him a positive player. So I'm not really worried about Nolan. I will say um, I do trust Nolan's bat less than I trust Goldie's. And that's kind of where I'm getting to with the Goldie of it all is that I think of any, I mean, he is one of the best hitters of the, of the generation. You know, he's a generational guy. I think he will figure it out. We saw him loop a couple of soft hits last night. I think it's just going to, it's, it's going to go, you know, he's allowed to have a down month. Um, and especially when you're in the position that they're in, um, it makes it all go down smoother. Like I was getting at earlier, but it needs to kind of turn around now. And it makes me wonder how Ali or what is the right way to utilize these two players in the final week plus of the season. Do you opt for, you know, keeping them fresh? Do they take multiple days off? Do you want them to get at bats so they can find their timing a little bit more? You know, what, what is, what is the way to, to handle that? There's also like, to kind of backpedal on that whole point, there's very little information that says people in the season hot take that into the playoffs. It generally is a reset button. Um, yeah. Even if you have the hottest September of your career, l- rarely does that translate into October success. There's no c- consistent statis- uh, statistical <laughs> evidence, <laughs> consistent statistical <laughs> evidence to suggest that any condition at the end of the season will set you up for any other type of condition in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I I think it's more fun and like relieving for us as fans for our players to end the season hot, but it, it really doesn't mean anything as far as predicting uh, postseason performance. Um, So I, I, I echo your sentiment. I'm not really worried besides all the things that you said, like, this is just how baseball goes. And, um, you know, Goldie had a five month stretch of being the best hitter in the league. And so it, it would have been tight for it to never end and him win the triple crown, but yeah. that was never the most likely thing. And instead he's just going to end with a measly MVP award, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, we just have to hope that he is able to execute in the playoffs and we have to hope that Arenado returns to his form that we've seen also for nearly a decade. And I don't know, as far as usage goes, like I think probably I haven't seen the lineup for tonight's game. I don't know if it's been announced yet, but I suspect most of these guys will be out. That's the standard for the, the old day days after. are all hung over today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you get at least a day, an extra day rest there. And then six games against the pirates to close out the season. I'd suspect at least an extra day of rest for each of the main starters. And then you have the day off in between um, the end of the season and the wild card starting. So I would think it'll be like slightly more rest than they would get if it was a still a playoff hunt, but yeah. not any out of the ordinary um, or like excessive. 
Yeah. Well, and yeah, just work on timing and hope you can square up against some of the best pitchers in baseball because that's what the playoffs <laughs> uh, yeah. is. <laughs> that's what the playoffs is. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It's, um, it's wild that Paul has had a month like with the slash line that I just quoted and is still pretty much easily the MVP for the season. That just speaks to like, yeah, kind of what you're talking about. He's falling into like, instead of leading the league in every offensive category, he's fallen into more like he's top three or top five in every single category, but he's still leading the league in OPS and by a pretty good amount. And I think, like to me, that is one of the most true statistics of like offensive production and he's leading the league in that. And yeah. the narrative has been all about him. No other guy, even though he has uh, slowed down, it's not like any other guy in this race has really exploded this September to change the story at all. So I, I think he's going to win it and I think it's going to be not super close. You know, and then it'll be like some ver- some blend of Arenado, Betts, Freeman, and Machado will make yeah. up the next top five. Um, I I I would be shocked if it's anything other than that. Freddie Freeman only has twenty home runs this year, right? There's that's the thing. There's sort of a knock against everyone. Maybe not Mookie Betts. I mean, he's having a killer season, um, but he's got a lot of similar counting stats as Goldie, but Goldie's got him by like 40 points of batting average, you know? So like for every, for each one of these guys that would make a good argument against Goldie, he leads any individual player like on yeah. most every stat, you know? So I personally would vote for Paul Goldschmidt. Same. Give us so. a vote. I think yeah. they should give us. I'm waiting. When do podcasters, especially you know, tiny podcasters, when do we get a BBWA uh, credentials? I, I am probably wrong on this, but I think you just have to apply and prove. Mm, I don't know I, if you actually need to write or or not, though. I don't know. I don't know that the, you have to write anymore. I think you because that's that's some of the bullshit about the whole Hall of Fame voting thing. Yeah. It's not like a bunch of dudes who like haven't really written and. 20 years or something like that are still voting. Um, I don't yeah, know. I we, know. Uh, one of the voters who turned in a blank uh, do, uh, uh, ballot last year was he's like been writing for uh, on the PGA tour for like 20 years or something like that. Yeah. Very cool. stupid. Helpful. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about uh, the pitching. So, I mean, the, the Cardinal offense and the really the Cardinal playoffs is going to like, they're going to be one on the back of Goldie and Arenado. Uh, if, if they're going to go deep, any individual series, of course, could go in any direction. But sure. if we're if they're going to really go deep with the, both those guys, or at least one of them, we're going to have to really turn it on. And all we can do is hope and assume that they will. Um, the pitching has been interesting in September as well. Uh, some good and some bad. What do you what do you want to start with? Do you want to you want the good or the bad first? We'll start with the bad because then the, the good will be a little easier. But I, I think, you know, we're, we're not the first ones to talk about it. Wayno. Bueno's arm is dead. He he has said it. Um, he looks it. He's got a 6.38 ERA in September. Um, I think he's striking out on, he, you know, he's not a big strikeout guy to begin with, but I think he's striking out around like three per nine, which is about four or five off of what he normally does. Um, yeah. I mean, he's looked bad. I don't know, you know, 
it's not, not the first time Wayno's dealt with this. It won't be the last since he's going to pitch another five years or whatever. Um, and obviously Ali and, and Wayno and the staff know more than us. I still think that he should have a little extra time off. And I think that I, I think I've, I value time off in general, especially for players over 30. Um, so I think I'd like to see a little bit of that. Well, in the final did week. you see Marmol's discussion about dead arm though? Yeah. Uh, did a full interview about it and was asked about Wainwright and like what they're going to do with him. And according to them, they all believe, and I have no reason to doubt them, although I am a professional medical expert, um, that the best way to deal with dead arm, even though this doesn't, this sounds counterproductive is that you really want to pitch through it. It's more about regaining your feel and less about, uh, like recovering, broken down muscle mass you know sure. so um they don't really intend to give him any additional rest although i think we'll see what that looks like here he's supposed to pitch on sunday and that'll likely be his last start so it kind of all works out anyway um but i yeah it doesn't seem like they're giving any sort of additional rest yeah. but it's a it's a like a considered decision uh, i will say at this point I don't think he's one of the starters in the in the three game series. At he least. can't be. He cannot yeah. be. I, I mean, I guess unless his final start is lights out, um, and, and he's got you know he's got the ride and the run back and all that good stuff. But yeah, I think like again, they're they're not not like they're going to listen to this anyways. But if I had it my way, I think I would you know give him a day off. He has a long bullpen that day, and and he can still pitch a little bit, but you know, obviously the numbers don't matter anymore. So if they think the right path is for him to pitch in a big league game and, and try to figure it out, then I guess that's what they're going to do. I, yeah. I just have to go back to some of the numbers we were talking about last week when, you know, he's got the second most innings pitched since 2020. He's obviously much older than everybody else on that list. By the way, Sandy Alcantara had another eight inning start uh, this week. He is just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gave up one home run, one run and lost the game because the Marlins suck. What are the Marlins doing? Yeah, we don't need to talk about this right now, but yeah, they suck. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I, I hope uh, I don't. I Wayno Wayno being a part of the playoff picture and impactful in the playoffs would be uh, very good. Whether he is coming out of the bullpen, whether he is starting, whether he is, I don't know. He, he has, he has, yeah, and he has versatility, versa, versatility, versatility, mental toughness. You know, he could come out and you got grab an inning. And, yeah, cold yeah, he's beer talking on a about, Friday night. Cold beer. He's talking about how he, you know it only takes him a handful of pitches to get ready. He could still come out of the bullpen if if that's yeah. what they see. So, yeah, I don't know. A little bit worried. Like to see something change in his final start, but you know we'll watch. But even if it does, it's against the Pirates. How much right. are you going to take from that? You know, when when on the other hand, you've got uh, what we saw Michaelis do last night. What uh, what Quintana continues to do and what Montgomery has, you know, been able to do or Flaherty, like, I don't know. I, it was, I think it was only last week where I was like, maybe it was two weeks ago where I said, there's no way Wayno is not one of the three starters. And now I'm completely on the other side of it. I think there's right. no way he's one of the three starters, but we'll see. Um, yeah. Palante has been struggling a little bit as well which is not great. Uh, hopefully you don't need a Palante too much in the playoffs, but it can happen, especially if maybe you do start a Wainwright. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'd like to see him being a little bit more effective. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just not striking people out right now for the past almost month, and he's getting hit around a little bit. And obviously, like, he's a he's a strikeout guy. He's a ground ball guy, so that's a little worrisome. And, yeah, I think you're 100% right, though. Like, he's probably not on the wild card roster. Um, maybe he is. Um, will he be used? Probably not. There, you, you would imagine, you know, that's you're going to go to your best guys as often as possible in that three-game series, hopefully two-game series. Um Kind of depends but, on where you think about Dak Hudson in there. You know, who yeah. it's really that long man spot, right? Or maybe yeah. that's Wainwright, right? Um, I don't know. Well, I think let's let's move on then and talk about some of the good. Dak Hud has been ridiculous since coming back and, and only pitching out of the bullpen, of yeah. course. But he hasn't walked anybody. He hasn't given up a run. He's been great. Um, I don't know what to say about it. It's... Yeah. He looks like Dakota Hudson. I don't. I can't visibly see anything, but he has become effective out of nowhere, yeah. essentially. And Zach Thompson. I mean, he looks like I, I'm. I've been excited about him for a long time. All of us have, and yeah. uh, you know, we're seeing some of that reason why. Why the excitement? He's doing what we thought Libertor would be doing this year, but it's yeah. it's, it's Thompson. So you've got both those guys can fill that sort of mid long man role and you can be more comfortable with it than Palante right now. Yeah. Um, that curveball seems to be extremely effective and I just like him. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, he's got a competitiveness that I, I dig and I don't know. He's, I think he's fun to watch and yeah, he's been productive. Well, it's, it's guys like him that make me think, you know, Quintana is not, gonna get an an option or a um a contract for next year because they if they if wayno does come back you really only have a spot or two in the rotation still available and i just knowing the cardinals they i think would rather do those competitions between like thompson and liberator and and woodford um and what we're seeing from thompson is like hell yeah get him in the rotation yeah yeah absolutely um Gallegos has also been great in the second half of the season. I think that that just yeah. needs to be called out. Um, having essentially two closers is something that not a lot of teams can do. And we have two highly, highly effective closers that have different styles that I think is great. Um, so just a little shout out for Gallegos. He, he should, he deserves more love this season. Um, yeah. and then I think the, the kind of coup de gras, the, the, I, I was shocked to find these numbers is I guess what I mean to say, but Jose Quintana over his last 25 and a third innings has a sub one ERA and a 0.36 walk rate. He has been absolutely fantastic. Um, does he start like, where? Wh- what do we do with that? I think so. At this point, I've had a total switch on all of this. I, I <laughs> <No>. think <laughs> like, I think Quintana should be one of the three. Yeah. You know, and I think Michaelis should, and then I'd be willing to hear an argument uh, over the difference between Montgomery and Flaherty, and it'll kind of depend yeah. on what their next starts look like. Um, but and, and the team makeup, I don't, I don't know the splits of uh, the Phillies very well if they if they're better against lefties or righties. But you know, I would imagine that will have a big hand in that decision. But I have a hard time right now starting anyone other than Quintana. Like, yeah, look at, I mean, the number you just threw over the last 25 innings, sub one ERA and a 0.36 walk. Like, what more are we looking for? Yeah, he doesn't yeah. necessarily go super deep into games, 
but we also have one of the best bullpens in baseball. Like it's the perfect combo. It's a, that's like game one to me right there. Come out and just take the win against their starter, whoever it is, Zach Wheeler or whatever. You'll feel like you're stealing one, stealing yeah. one because he threw Quintana, but he might actually be the best starter on the team right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Cardinals are in a weird space where I think that like exactly what you said is they will probably lean on matchups. They like over the ACE is going to be the ACE. Right. They don't really have an ACE. Like, you right. Know, I guess miles is maybe the closest thing to an ACE. Um, yeah. Over the entire season. If you look at the body of work, but they don't really well, have if that. You think of, if, if you think of one key aspect of your ACE is that they'll go deep into the game, yeah. then yeah, Michaelis is it easily you yeah. know um but he's not a big strikeout guy which is the flip side of the or is like the usually one of the other key pillars of a of an ace although last night nine strikeouts so he looked know. great yeah he could do it every once in a while yeah uh yeah i guess we'll I get probably by next episode, it'll all be decided because we'll record again next Wednesday and that'll be the last game of the year. Most teams will have probably announced their, um, we'll likely know what the matchup will be. And most teams have announced their playoff rotations by then. So we won't really speculate it on it again. Um, but that'll be my, I guess I'm locking in my guess right now is it's going to be Quintana, Michaelis, and then I'll just say Montgomery, but I won't be surprised if it's Flaherty. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll, yeah, probably, I'll probably switch it up. I think it'll probably be Miles, Quintana, Montgomery. Um, Really curious to see how Jack and Wayno fit into it, but yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I could see him doing Michaelis game one over Quintana. I'm not too worried about that, Um, but yeah, those three guys are who I suspect it'll be. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, we've got some more stuff to talk about. But before we do, as always, we want to remind all of our listeners that this show is supported on Patreon. If you like the show, want to see it grow, want to support us and the efforts that we're making to provide you this hot, hot content, uh, (laughs) consider subscribing at patreon.com slash talking about birds. Subscribers of any level get access to our private discord we call it the bird scored tweet tweet. Um, we're having a great time in there. We're keeping it running all year, all off season uh, through the playoffs. It's a great place to connect with other Cardinal fans. And, well, uh, you know, Mary always says that there is no baseball off season because of how I obsess over it. So I yeah. think that that'll be true in the bird scored. There you go. There you go. Um, same. Mary always says that about me too. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, talking about or uh, patreon.com slash talking about birds. And also consider leaving us a review in your favorite podcast platform. It helps and it makes us feel good. So, thank you to everyone who has done both or either of those things. Uh, ben, how about our online presence? Where can people find it? <laughs> It sounded so disingenuous. Uh, ben, you can make sure uh, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Talk About Birds. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Talking About Birds, and as always, you can email us questions, thoughts, musings, Talk About Birds at gmail.com. Um, and as you know, per usual, I like to angle something at Nate. Nate's going. Nate is doing some tailgating this weekend at the Mizzou game. So I think if you want to get a brat. 
get a dog, a couple of brewskis, go find Nate and his family tailgating at Mizzou this weekend. If you can't find him, email again, talkaboutbirds at gmail.com, and he will direct you to the parking spot and give you a free burger. (laughs) Um, Some or all of that may be true. Um, (laughs) I will be there. It is my brother's 40th birthday. Old man. Old man. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a, you know, relive our youth, huh? And uh, (laughs) go down and do some tailgating, but we're doing it in style. It's like with one of those companies that like bring you a big old tent and coolers and it'll, it should be fun. So yeah, y'all should crash that for sure. Yeah. Come on by. (laughs) I'm not planning it. (laughs) There you go. Uh, all right. So, um, we have some other broader Cardinal news to talk about, and then we'll get into some league news and run out with a dumb game. So, uh, first of all, Tyler O'Neill, who we both believe is pretty critical to the success of the Cardinals, uh, is on a running program and is hoping to make it back from the 10 day IL before the end of the season. It wouldn't surprise me if we don't see him again this year and he just or this regular season and he just starts in the in the playoffs. Uh, at least I guess I'm hopeful of that. I don't know. What, how are you feeling? Yeah, I wouldn't mind a major league at bat or two before that happens. Um, but obviously it depends on his health. Uh, I could even see them, you know, activating him and having him be a DH for a game just to get three or four at bats in. I think I would feel better at that, but obviously yeah. they're they're equipped to get his timing working outside of that. Um, you know, they have all the means that they need to make that happen. But would love to see him. Happy, happy to see that he is running, he's doing baseball activities. Hopefully it is quick. <laughs> Nothing more anticlimactic than the update of they are participating in baseball activities. I know. That is that's so lame. They're like changing scorecards and <laughs> uh, buying popcorn buying, yeah. <laughs> paying extreme uh, maintenance costs and whatnot <laughs> for buying tickets on websites. Yeah. Baseball activities. Baseball. Uh, and other important piece, Jordan Hicks has begun a throwing program. Again, uh, Tuesday. Yeah, that already yeah. that started. So by the time yeah. this episode comes out, maybe we'll even know more. Yeah. Hopefully he's back. Yeah. Um, that's all there is from a injury update. Any other, uh, you know, broader Cardinal news you want to talk about? I mean, not really. We talked about Alec Burleson already. I thought a funny quote from him that I wanted to read was uh, after, you know, he hit his home run uh, pinch hitting for Albert. He said, uh, I think that's the only way to hit a uh, to pinch hit for him right there. Hit a homer. I just like, he's just, I just like his, yeah, I just like his way. Um, I find him, uh, drink a be beer cool. at first base, drink yes. a beer at second base. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, the, the other note that I had, I wrote this outline before they clinched, but, uh, we clinch baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into league news. Uh, yeah. Some some exciting things. I'll let you uh, roll us through this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, Judge is still sitting at 60. I really there's a very, very good chance that this is out of date as soon as this comes out because he's going to hit another one. It's going to happen. Um, I've been watching it. I watched the Blue Jays game the other night where they walked him 
in the ninth inning with third base open and John Schneider. It was a pretty shrewd move and it worked out. The Blue Jays win the game with the Vladimir Guerrero walk off, uh, which was fun. What I did want to point out, and I think like everyone's talking about Judge and how great this season is and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's all great. And you can argue over who you think is the home run king. And I think that's all great, too. But I think it needs to be pointed out that the sec- the person with the second most home runs in the league is Kyle Schwarber, who's also hitting like 230. Aaron Judge is hitting over 300. And Schwarber has 42 home runs. Judge has 60. The margin of if you compare judge to his peers in the offensive environment that they're in, I think that just needs to be recognized. And I just wanted to take a second to say that out loud because it is insane what he is doing right now. Yeah. Well, that's part of why he has such a high WRC plus, which, you know, weights him against uh, the offensive environment. And it's one of the highest that we've ever seen. So, um, yeah, it's incredible. And if you think about it, like the narrative of especially the early part of the season was the dead ball. This is a dead ball year, you know, and of course, in a dead ball year, uh, you know, we might we see the first 60 home runs in 20 years and maybe more, hopefully more. I'm definitely rooting for him. And it just, you know, it only took a modern day Goliath to make it happen. But, uh, <laughs> he's doing it. Um. Yeah, and I kind of hope he hits it. I kind of hope it's over with. It seems like right now in this very, very minute window of time, it maybe isn't the best to be Aaron Judge. Um, I, it seems to be feeling the pressure, but uh, I'm sure he'll get it here. It's still. a lot of pressure, yeah. Um, in other news, Luis Castillo, big trade Mariners, Red, or sorry, Reds to Mariners this season. He is re or he is re-upped, not re-signed. He is re-upped with the Mariners. He's going to be there for at least five more years, $108 million dollars. There is an option for a six year on that for an additional 20 something million dollars. But uh, I think great move by the Mariners. I, I love, you know, kind of what the Cardinals tried to do is trade for somebody and then lock them up. I uh, great move. The Mariners, you know, I, I am rooting for them uh, to a certain degree this year. I like a lot of their players and I think this is a good move. Yeah, it's one of those contracts that I think makes a lot of sense for both sides. Castillo has been good and has shown moments of greatness. Um, but the Mariners, it seems to have been a good, good spot for him. And now he has generational wealth and a yeah. part of a young and uh, upcoming team. So, um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. And and with what they traded to get him, you have to imagine there was a lot of internal and external pressure to make sure that they keep yeah. him for longer than the season and a half they paid for him initially. Uh, and so here it is. Makes sense. And I think even we were talking about this at the beginning of the season, even more of a reason if you're a Reds fan to switch your fandom to the Mariners. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just go watch the Mariners. Don't support watch the them. Reds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, Marlins, you remember how I was saying they suck? Um, the Marlins yeah. suck. Uh, Sandy Alcantara is good. Uh, they are firing Don Mattingly. He will not return as manager. He is his final week of being a Marlin is happening right now. And then they're giving him the stinky boot, which... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he's saying is mutual, you know, he they're they're all saying like, you know, he's he also approached about being done. I, you know, I don't know. It my, could just be saving face. But my speculation, I'm wildly speculating on this situation. But what I think it is, is that Mattingly goes, hey, front office, what is our plan? Because uh, I look at the team and I look at the farm and I look at our needs and I see how you've handled the trade deadline the last couple of years. And it, the plan doesn't make any sense. And the front office says, well, to you, 
Fuck um, you too, buddy. <laughs> and then Don said, get me out of here. Um, yeah. I really don't understand. Like, no, I don't know why I'm feeling like I need to pick a bone with the Marlins today, but I just, I think they, they make no sense to me and they should change something. And uh, sorry, Don, but I don't know. I would not be surprised if he gets another job somewhere. Yeah, he's had an interesting career as a manager. Part of the, yeah. you know, he's, he's with the Dodgers and it's going great. And then he's now no longer with the Dodgers and he's with the Marlins. And it's kind of goes like you would expect with the Marlins. Yeah. And now, I don't know, I bet he lands somewhere, though. Yeah, I think so. Um, all right. The final thing I have is, you know, I thought we were going to have a little more fun with this. Uh, the uh, White Sox, really the uh, AL Central race. And the Guardians decided that, no, no, thank you. The White Sox kind of just fell off. Also, TLR is done for the year. He's I'm done. curious to see if he comes back. Uh, very kind of strange and unfortunate way for their season to end. But the White Sox had a bad year. Um, and Cleveland just kind of made it happen. Uh, their pitching is good. You know, they, they are winning the AL Central. But I think that they are pretty far and away the worst playoff team. Um I, I just don't see how they're going to do anything. Jimenez is good. Jose Ramirez is good. Their pitching is good, not great. Um, yeah. Class A is great. Um, but yeah, I guess, I don't know. I mean, good for you, of course. I saw you rubbing your grubby little fingers together in celebration. Yes. I'm very yes. happy for you. I believe I owe you a ribeye. Um, That's we'll, right. The steaks were steak. The steaks were steak. Um, so we'll we'll make that happen somehow. But uh, I don't know. I, I wanted it to kind of be a bit more of a bloodthirsty battle. And it was kind of just like a whimper. And then the Guardians just kind of lasted longer. I so. told you the the ghost of TLR haunted yeah. the dugout. And the, it's almost October. It's too spooky for everyone. I, and, I cannot uh, argue. The Guardians made it happen. No, yeah. I, I, was, I think I agree with you. Worst, worst playoff team. Um, but they do have, they just have some of that, um, like the, the pieces they do have are so good in like Jose Ramirez might be the best, you know, one of the best hitters. He's quietly a hall yeah. of fame pace player, you know, and, uh, class a, you know, they've got a good bullpen. They've got some good starters. Like I'm a Quaniac too. You know that of course we're all Quaniacs. I mean, <laughs> they are built to win a three game series, yeah. you know, like they could surprise someone in the first round in the yeah. wild card. I would be very surprised though, if they are able to really do much against in a, in a longer series against any of the other teams in the AL. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and that wraps up league news. All right. So we're going to end with another segment. Um, you know, this is the first year the Cardinals have won a the division title since 2019. Wow. And while 2019 was really only a few years ago, a lot has happened in the last three years. We had the pandemic and everything surrounding that has really made it feel like 2019. I don't know. It feels like it was a decade ago. Um, but the team's not that much different. So I want to see just how much do you remember about the 2019 <laughs> St. Louis Cardinals? All right. And another edition of who charted. Who charted? So uh, yeah. I've got, yeah, I'm worried. I've, 
<laughs> I will admit that I am not feeling confident. I know you'd think like we're, we, we are constantly pulling random ass facts. And a lot of this, our games are focused in like 20 years ago and whatnot. And then I started thinking about the 2019 team. Uh, I, you know, a thing to remember about the 2019 team is that it was a good team that we all really enjoyed pretty much end to end. And then they got beat so badly in the NLCS by the Washington nationals yeah. that it, forever changed the entire perspective of the team yeah. it's probably the least talked about and least like heralded nlcs visiting cardinal team that i can think of in our entire like history as cardinal fans yeah and I it was only right. a, it was only a few years ago that that was so, a really bad series yeah like so it just swept and never I mean, I don't think they led in a single game or they led in the in the fourth game. And that was the first game that they had led in the inning and yeah. then immediately gave it up. So, uh, yeah, rough, rough uh, series. So but they made it to the NLCS, you know. Yeah. One, you know, one series away from the World Series. So uh, so here's what we're going to do. We've done this before. Um, I've got the uh, I've got fan graphs pulled up. And I have the leaders in uh, batting F4. And I want to hear from you. How many people can you get in the top five? Yeah. Okay. So um, I've got the full list here. And what I've done is um, uh, I'm just filtering on fan graphs by yeah. batting. 2019 and then um clicking on the f4 tab so it it's batting but it is a combination of offensive and defensive war for position players sure so um so when i say batting don't be misled i'm looking at just total war for yep. uh but we're looking at position, position and, and yep. then and then pitching so um yeah top five um go ahead and uh i don't have my sound effects i'm just gonna yeah uh i'm just gonna we'll just go Okay, I feel good about my first one. I know uh, uh, it was obviously the first season with Paulie. Give it to Mr. Goldschmidt. Correct. He is number four. Yeah. 3.4 F4. Yeah, that was a weird year. I think everybody was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, all right. I am going to, I think Mr. Tommy Edmond had a nice year that year as well. Yes, Tommy Edmonds' breakout year because he only had 349 plate appearances. Yeah. But he led the position players in F4 at 3.9. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I believe that Harrison Bader also had an above average offensive year that year, if I if I can remember correctly. So I'll put him out there. This is gonna be your first miss. Ooh. Uh, and so three misses and you're out, right? Yeah. Um so Bader is coming in at number seven. He had 400 plate appearances, um, an overall WRC plus of 82. So you must be thinking of a different year. He still be. put up. He still put up 1.7 F4 though, okay. but uh, not top five. All right. Um, oh wait, this was a season that Tyler uh, balled out of control, right? Wait. Oh no. No, it wasn't. No, no, he did not have a good year that year. He had starts and stops. Um, 
So I'm not going to say Tyler. Paul DeYoung did not have a good year that year. Was Dylan Carlson up? I think he was. No, no. He came up in 2020 because he like struck out a bunch of times with the bases loaded. Um, hmm. Uh, well, I know Yachty was on the team. I got to throw out Yachty, I guess. It's going to be your next swing and a miss. Yachty mm-hmm. was number eight. Uh, he had 452 plate appearances with a 88 WRC plus coming in at a 1.2. Was Matt Carpenter still good in 2019? I'm going to say he was. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That was the year where he dominated the second half. Okay. Matt Carpenter. Still going to be a swing and a miss, and oh. you are out. So you got six, seven, and eight with your last three guesses. Man. Matt Carpenter had 492 plate appearances to a 96 WRC+. Plus. I do think you're right in that his back half was great, but he had, was so bad at the beginning. But that might have been 2018 when he really had that insane second yeah. half. Um, so yeah, he also had a 1.7 tying with uh, Harry Bader. So, uh, I'll give you the list now. I, I well, I'm I'm now realizing somebody who I miss big time, who I have to imagine. So this doesn't count, but just for my own sanity, okay. Can I throw out Colton Wong? Yes. So Colton okay. Wong was number three at three point okay. five F four. God, uh, he had a totally he had a one oh nine WRC plus. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay, so you got number one with Tommy Edmond. Number two was in fact Paul DeYoung. Uh, 3.7 F war, um, you know, one of the seasons that's the year he hit 30 bombs, played a good defensive short. That's the year that everyone is like someday he'll get back to, you know, uh, then you just got Colton long at number three, you got Goldie at four. And then finally you never even said his name. And that's probably for for the better. Oh, Marce- Marcel. Marcelo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Out of sight, uh, out of mind. Despite hitting thirty or twenty nine home runs and a one ten WRC plus, he had a one point nine F four. Um, yeah, because he was not very good out there in left field. No, he wasn't. So, uh, all right, so that's. Uh, Position players. So now we'll look at uh, pitching. Yep. So um, I think just, you know, the rules uh, top five in pitching F four. All right. I feel good about my first guess. That's the year that Jack went full Jack. Um, give me Jack Flaherty. Yep. Number one with a bullet. 4.7 F four. Yeah. Um, 196 innings. Uh, 2.75 ERA, uh, 3.64 XFIP. Just really good season. Great year. Uh, 10.59K per nine. Yeah, I'll uh, let's see. Number two, I'm going to say Mr. Adam Wainwright. Yep. Wainwright, 2.1 F4, uh, 171 innings. And what, what number was he? Uh, number three. Number three. I think this is the year that Giovanni went off, and I'm thinking he cracked. So I'm going to say Giovanni Gallegos. You got it. Uh, 74 innings, a 11.3K per nine, and a 2.31 ERA, uh, an an 
FIP of 3.59, total a 1.6 war, which just kind of shows how hard it is for relievers to really stack war. But um, yeah, he was uh, he was number four. I believe that I cannot. I'm like really struggling to remember if this was the year that Miles was healthy, and I think he was. So I'm going to say Miles Michaelis. Correct. Opening day starter, Miles Michaelis. Yeah. Um, the uh, he's number two. Number two. Uh, 184 innings. Yep. Uh, 4.16 ERA, which is kind of what he does, you know. But 2.4 F4. Yeah. Um. Okay, I'm trying to think. I think Dakota was good that year. Um, did he? Yeah, you've got one enough? more in the top five, and I'll. This one's gonna be hard. I'll just tell you that. Okay. Well, I, that's kind of a hint, but I said to. I'm just gonna say Dakota. Uh no, Dakota. You're close. Dakota was number seven with a point nine for the year. Hmm. Okay. Um. So that was your first miss. Yeah. Dakota was number seven. Um. Wow. I am. I am struggling more than I expected to be struggling. Um. Who else was valuable that year? Miles, Wayno, Dakota, Jack. Um, man, I feel very stupid right now. Uh, I mean, Ryan Helsley wasn't that good that year, was he? I think he was. Genesis, was that a good year for Cabrera? I'll say Cabrera, Genesis Cabrera. Can't be right, though. Swing and a miss. Cabrera is down at 14. He only pitched 20 innings um, to a nearly five ERA. Uh, but point one at four, so not okay. negative. What? Okay. Waka was Waka, Waka good that year? No. Uh, Damn it! This Waka was number twenty. Oh. He pitched one hundred and twenty-six innings to a negative point three. Oh, ouch! So this one's tough. I don't think I would have gotten it either. Um, it's the like really only other guy who had like a really good season in the bullpen. And that is John Brebbia. Oh, wow. Damn it. Sorry, Brebs. Yeah. That's my guy. So, I like him. Yeah. 72 innings, 3.59 ERA. Got a little lucky, you know, had a mid fours XFIP. Yeah. Started to see that regression later, um, which is why he's not with the Cardinals anymore. I think he's a yeah. giant. He's um, a giant. He's having a good year too. Yeah. Yeah. I always like Brebbia too. So, um, those are the hardest guys to remember. They'll like pop up relievers who yeah. have a great year and then are gone two years later. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that's the 2019 Damn. NLCS St. Louis Cardinals, the top five of each side. So, uh, you know, I, I think maybe the 2022 Cardinals are a more memorable squad, but <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Maybe we'll do this again in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I pulled up because I, I was like, I'm dry, going crazy. So I just pulled up the roster and I was not thinking about Carlos Martinez. Obviously, I wasn't thinking about Brebbia. I wasn't thinking about Andrew Miller. There, there are a lot uh, of John Gant. Yeah. Ponce de Leon, Hicks, you know. 
Hes- yeah. Helsley was there, but barely pitched. Yeah. Yep. Huh. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I definitely feel better about this team. Um, hopefully they don't get swept. Hey, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Gotta say, I agree. I hope Thank they you. don't get swept. Thanks, pal. So uh, that's another edition of Who Charted. Ben, thanks for playing. You did all right. Yeah, it felt okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll be back next week. We got one week left of the regular season. I can't believe we're here. And then we get to sweat and weep and cry and watch playoff baseball, which is maybe my favorite thing in the universe. And uh, so we'll be here again next week with that last regular season episode. And uh, I guess until next week, go Cardinals. Surf's up. Boom shakalaka. (laughs) Nice.